This past Father's Day, my uh, brother gave my dad what I think could only be described as one of the most innovative Father's Day gifts I've ever seen. Um, he signed my dad up for an online subscription service called StoryWorth. And you can count the next two minutes as the testimonial of a very satisfied customer. Basically, what this subscription is, every single week for a year, my dad gets emailed a question that my brother either selects or writes himself. And my dad essentially responds by writing a blog about the question. So the questions could be anything. What's your life motto? What advice would you give to your great-grandchildren? How did you feel when your first child was born? All of those kinds of things. And, and you just get to hear whoever it is, your dad in this case, write things that you would never talk about around the dinner table. My favorite question so far, I think, has been, tell me about life when you first came to Canada. Because uh, my dad immigrated here from Paraguay when he was 13. And he talked about the language challenge of not speaking English. He talked about the economic challenge of not having a penny to their name. And those two challenges created additional educational challenges because they filled out the forms wrong. Uh, my dad at 13 was put in a grade one class to begin school and they realized that was sort of off. And so they moved dad to what used to be called the special ed class. Um, those who are old enough will know exactly what that is. And they discovered that wasn't a fit either. And so they moved dad into a grade five class, even though he had finished grade six back home in Paraguay, which meant that, and this is my dad's favorite part of the story, my dad was 16 and in grade eight, and he would drive to school every day and park right beside the principal. <laughs> Their economic challenges meant that my dad wasn't going to go to university, which meant that his career path was picked for him. But I'm reading all these challenges, and I replied to his post to say I'm just overwhelmed by what a survivor you all were and how hard you worked to ensure that your kids didn't face any of these challenges. That admittedly, I've sailed through life barrier-free barrier in part because of demographics as a white male and that kind of thing, and in part because of the work that my dad did. And it's just amazing because you get to learn through these stories, not just who my dad is and where my dad has come from and what my dad is all about. As a result, I'm learning about who I am and where I've come from and what my identity is and why my life is on the trajectory that it is and where I'm going because of where I've come from. And that's the value of those foundational stories, the stories that our families tell about where we've come from. They inculcate in us this understanding of who we are and why we are in the world, and how to be who we are in the world, and where we're going. And the Bible is filled with those kinds of stories too. And starting this morning, we're going to begin a study in the book of Exodus. It's the second book of the entire Bible, and it contains the most important foundational stories for the entire scriptures, the stories of who the Israelites were, who were, according to the book of Genesis, the book just before it, God's chosen people whom God would bless in order to be a blessing to the world, to be the channel of God's rescuing, healing love in the world. 
And so we're going to study the book of Exodus because we want to hear these foundational stories about who Israel is and, and what God did for them. And so it's interesting as you begin to read Exodus chapter 1, what you discover is the very first word in the book of Exodus in the Hebrew in which it was written um, is not a word that's found in any English translation. It's the word and. The book of Exodus literally begins with the sentence, and these were the names of those, you know, dot, 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 which just as an aside, the next time an English teacher or a grammar Nazi tells you, you know, you can't begin a sentence with the word and, you can look at them and say, you can begin a whole book with the word and. Because if it's good enough for God, I think it's probably good enough for me. <laughs> but the whole point of beginning the book of Exodus with the word and is to demonstrate that the book of Exodus is not a book on its own. It is the continuation of a story that began in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, where God chose Abraham and his son Isaac and Isaac's son Jacob to be the founding fathers of a family that would become a nation that God would bless in order to be the channel of God's rescuing, healing love in the world, in order to fix the problem of sin and brokenness in the world. And the book of Exodus picks up right where the book of Genesis leaves off. If you read the last 14 chapters of the book of Genesis, Genesis 37 to 50, and I encourage you to read those chapters this week to get the background to the book of Exodus. But what you have is the story of Jacob, Abraham and Isaac are already dead. And you have the story of Jacob and his family of about 70 people being led by Jacob's son, Joseph, to immigrate from Israel to Egypt in order to be spared a severe famine. And the book of Exodus opens, the story starts with these words in verse six, eventually Joseph his brothers, and everyone in his generation died. But the Israelites were fertile and became populous, and they multiplied and grew dramatically, filling the whole land. It says, in the generations that followed Joseph and his family of 70, God continued to bless that family, and they grew into an enormous nation of people, so that with some exaggeration. They went from 70 to being so populous that they filled the whole land. There wasn't anywhere you could go in Egypt uh, and not bump into Israelites. And it says in the verses that follow that a Pharaoh came to the throne who didn't know anything about Joseph and his family and the story of why Israelites lived in Egypt. And it says that he was afraid of them. That he said to his advisors, if an enemy were to attack us, what if the Israelites were to rise up and join the enemy and attack us with them? They would escape our country. And what would the problem be? They would tank our economy, which always seems to be the foundational concern. And so it says in Exodus chapter 1, verse 11, as a result, the Egyptians put four men of forced work gangs over the Israelites to harass them with hard work. They had to build storage cities named Pithom and Ramses for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they grew and spread. So much so that the Egyptians started to look at the Israelites with disgust and dread. So the Egyptians enslaved the Israelites. 
They made their lives miserable with hard labor, making mortar and bricks, doing field work, and forcing them to do all kinds of other cruel work out of fear of the Israelites who lived among them but were not allowed to be a part of them. Out of fear, they began to do violence to them and dehumanize them and oppress them and enslave them because they were disgusted by them. I don't know if any of this echoes with familiarity in our own story in 21st century Canada. But the book of Exodus, spoiler alert, is about how God raises up a man named Moses to set Israel free from being enslaved to the Egyptians. Now, I'm sorry if you didn't know that that's how the book ends. It's a 3,000-year-old story, so if you haven't heard it by this point, I, I don't know what to tell you. And, and don't say, but we were going to go home and read it tonight and, or watch Prince of Thieves on Disney+. Plus. No, you weren't. But that's how the story ends. Um, but it is the foundational story of how God rescues Israel from slavery, makes them into a nation in covenant relationship with God, and leads them into worshiping the God who rescued them. But it's more than that. I want you to notice that when I talk about these stories, I use the word story. I do not use the word history. See, for us modern people, history is a, a tricky word. It's a very specific word. When somebody is writing a history in the modern world, what we expect is that they are gathering and collating all of the relevant, factually accurate historical data in a comprehensive fashion and laying it out in chronological order so that as we read it, we know exactly what really happened. So that the story that is being told is the story of what we would have seen if we had looked through a video camera and watched the events unfold in the first place. That's not what the book of Exodus is. In fact, no ancient writer in the ancient world wrote history with a concern towards describing what really happened in chronological order. In the ancient world, whenever somebody wrote a history, what they would do is they would take the oral traditions that were all rooted in kernels of truth. They would take the oral traditions of the history of their people and they would combine them and mix them and reshape them and edit them and include new things and and. Uh, eliminate other things that had been a part of the story. They would tell it out of order. They would, they would add events that never happened. They would include conversation that nobody knows whether or not it really happened. They would shape the story. It was historical fiction is what it was. They would shape the story because their concern was not what really happened. Their concern was to share a message with the audience that was reading. See, the book of Exodus is not a history. It is a theology. It's not written so that we can know exactly what happened to the Israelites 12 to 1500 years ago or however many. It was told to tell us about who God is and about the way that God works. We don't know what really happened 
happened. Archaeological data can confirm, it seems, that there were at least some people who were ancestors of the Israelites who lived in Egypt roughly during that time, that during that time, pharaohs used people to perform slave labor to build cities and, and monuments and so on during that time. Those things we know. There are truths in the story, but there's no archaeological record yet of the plagues of a mass extermination event of firstborn sons in Egypt. There is no record of people crossing the Red Sea. There's no record of hundreds or of thousands or millions of people um, emigrating from Egypt in a mass exodus and camping in the wilderness. None. The archaeological record, despite extensive searching, doesn't show or demonstrate any of these things. And so it's hard to say what really happened. But the way we're supposed to read the story is we're supposed to read the story as a story about God and the ways that God works and rescues and saves. That's how the followers of Jesus, you know, a thousand years later, read the stories. In 1 Corinthians 10, it says this, these things, the events of the Exodus or the stories of the Exodus happened to them as an example and were written as a warning for us to whom the end of time has come. The Apostle Paul, writing after the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, says we're supposed to read these stories as examples and as models for us. They're not stories whose purpose is to report the facts. They're stories who are written to inspire faith, to tell the good news about what God is like about what God has done in the past so that we can, to inspire our faith in God in the present. That's how we're supposed to read these stories. Not to wonder what really happened, but to take the story that was inspired to be written by God and to read it as a story about God. That's the way the followers of Jesus who wrote the New Testament read the stories and interpreted them. They interpreted them not as stories about Israel per se. More importantly, they interpreted them as stories about Jesus. They said, if this is how God acted in the past and God has shown God's self in Jesus, then these are the stories about the ways that Jesus wants to act in our lives, about who Jesus is and the ways of Jesus in the world, about who we are as Jesus people filled with the power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. These are the stories of what it means for us to behave as Jesus people and the stories about where God is taking human history because of Jesus, these are stories about Jesus. When it says in Exodus chapter 5, it says the Pharaoh said, who is this Lord? Who is the God of the Israelites that I'm supposed to obey by letting Israel go? The Pharaoh asked the question, who is God? And the whole rest of the book of Exodus answers that question. And the followers of Jesus say what the book of Exodus tells us about God. That is what Jesus is like. Jesus is the answer to Pharaoh's question. That's how they read the book. They saw a story about people who were oppressed and enslaved and who were, and what they saw is they said, but all of humanity is still oppressed and enslaved to sin and brokenness. 
They saw the book of Exodus as a paradigm or an allegory of what is true about us. They saw a story in which God raises up a man to set Israel free from slavery and oppression. And they see in it the way that God raised up Jesus to set us free from slavery to sin and oppression to the brokenness of sin in our lives and in the lives of others, the brokenness of our world. They see the story of God using a man named Moses to bring the Ten Commandments, which are a description of what it means to be God's people in the world. And they see God raising Jesus up to bring his two commandments of what it means to be Jesus' people in the world, that we love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, and we love everybody else as much as we love ourselves. They see a story in which God, in which God raises up Moses to bring Israel into the presence of God. And they see in it a story of Jesus, the way Jesus was raised up by God, was God's presence among us to bring the presence of God in the Holy Spirit into our lives and into our community. Whenever you read in the New Testament, the language of freedom, we just studied the book of Galatians. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. The language of freedom is Exodus language. Whenever you read language of slavery to sin, that's Exodus language. Whenever you read language of redemption, that God has brought redemption into our lives through Jesus, the word redemption is the price that is paid to set slaves free. That is Exodus language. The Bible uses Exodus language over and over again to say, see, this is the way God works through Jesus. It's the story of Israel. It's the story of Jesus. But thirdly, this is the way God works through Jesus for us. This is not just the story of Israel and the story of Jesus. It is the story of our lives. The book of Exodus is the story of our relationship with God. It begins with this perceived sense of the absence of God and it ends with Israel living in the fullness of God's presence. It begins with Israel united in indentured service to Pharaoh by force. And it ends with Israel united in indentured service to God out of love. It begins with slavery and it ends with worship. It is a story about the way that God rescues us to be in relationship with him, to live in the fullness of his presence and to serve God in the world. It's the story of what it means to be a community of God's people. It begins with people being, as I said, united in service to Pharaoh. And it ends with people being united in covenant relationship of love to God. A covenant relationship that demands that they are united together with each other in love. Serving each other, the forgotten, the poor, the marginalized, the ignored, the enslaved, the oppressed, even the enemy in love. Building a new kind of human community rooted in the freedom and equality and love of all people. It's a story of not just an interior spiritual change or a communal relational change. It is a story of societal and political change. 
It is a story that begins with people being enslaved and oppressed by political systems that were trying to benefit economically on the backs of those who couldn't defend themselves. And it is the story of liberation and freedom, of smashing political systems that perpetrate injustice and oppression in the name of economic benefit and advantage so that all people can live in equality and freedom in the world. It is the story that begins with Israel working to build Pharaoh's kingdom in the beginning, and it ends with Israel working to build God's kingdom in the end. Ultimately, this is why we're studying the book of Exodus, not to find out just what happened to Israel back then, not just the story of Israel, but to hear the story of Jesus, of how God is at work in the world now, about the ways that God works, but it's the story of our lives as well, of being invited to live a life of full devotion to God through Christ by the power of the Spirit in the world in relationship to God, to each other, and to the entire world so that God's kingdom can come on earth just as it is in heaven, which is a kingdom that is rooted always, only, ever in the freedom of love. I pray that you will be a part of this study with us. Let's pray together. God, I am thankful that you are the same yesterday, the t- today, and forever. You are the same in these stories about Israel as you are in the person of Jesus, as you are in the way that you work in our lives through your Holy Spirit because of Christ. Would you teach us to see who you are and your ways of being through us in the world? And would you teach us to see who we are in relationship with you through Christ to understand our own identity and to see the ways that you long to set us free from slavery to sin and oppression um, to the brokenness of the healing, uh, uh, to the brokenness of our world, that you want to bring rescue and healing in our lives so that we can be the kind of people who bring rescuing and healing in love and freedom to the world in which you've placed us. And so we pray in Jesus' name to be led by Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, into this new way of being that only you can do. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.